Welcome to the Dulos Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Hey, Dulos Youth, we are so glad that you've joined us again today for week five of Esther. And Cole, how many weeks we got left? We have one more week after this one. So... Two. Two. Okay, yeah. Ish. Ish. Yeah. Okay. Ish. Yeah. So you guys tell me, as we've made it through Esther so far, I want you to give me your one greatest takeaway that we've learned over these last four weeks before we jump in today. All right? Who wants to go first? Wow. That's yeah, a big question. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me because I honestly think this one's going to be my favorite. <laughs> like, what we're about to teach, if I can say that, like chapter six, I think is my favorite chapter in Esther. It's just just cool to see it all unfold. Yeah, like it's yeah. hard not to see God in chapter six, even though you don't see his name. And I'm just yeah. like, man, I love it. Yeah. Okay. So I can't say the same thing because yeah. that would be lame. Um, so I guess I would say from last week, talking about obviously the famous verse for such a time as this, um, but I even mentioned when we talked about the end of the chapter, her whole line, if I perish, I perish. Yeah. She was going to do everything it took to make sure that her people were saved, yeah. which was cool. Absolutely. And we hope that you guys have been loving this series, that you've been reading along. Um, if you haven't, go ahead and pause the video. Try to read three chapters real quick. Yeah. Esther 5, 6, and 7. That's where we're going to jump in today. Um, this series has been such a powerful reminder to us that God has us where he has us on purpose and that he can use any of us in any situation to bring about his goal for his glory. Mm. So last week where we ended, Esther makes her way to the throne room, right? Yeah. She mm -hmm. goes in to see the king, and she decides, she gets up all the courage to yeah. go, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I need to do. And then we pick up the story here in chapter 5. Mm -hmm. So, Kelly, you want to start us off? Give us a, just a little bit of an intro of what happens in the beginning of chapter 5. Yeah, so you kind of introed it a little bit. She's yeah. going into the, the king's room, um, and he sees her and extends his golden scepter to her, which I think we've talked about this before, but that just meant he's giving her permission. You yeah. found favor with me. Go ahead and come on, enter. He's removing that barrier of power. Um, so she comes in, and he's essentially saying, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Just ask. And she just says... I want to have a banquet for you and your secondhand guy, Haman. Why don't you guys come to a banquet, and, and then we'll proceed from there. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you look at this story and you think about the way that Esther goes about it, Cole, tell me, if, if you were the king... <laughs> Do you think you would have responded this way? And what would what have what what would you like? What would you think if this is what your queen asks of you? It's it's weird to me, right? Because like, here's the deal: if if I'm the king, I know that the queen isn't supposed to be doing this, right? Like, yeah. she's not supposed to come to me like this. So I'm like, okay, this is a big deal. But then she asked. To go to dinner with me, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Me and my my buddy Heyman. Yeah. So if I was the king, I think in this moment I'd be a little confused and a little curious. Like, what? You know, like what's what's gonna happen here? Yeah. You know. So Kelly, tell us why why did Esther choose to ask for this? 
I I really think that she was just being patient on God's timing. Yeah. Really just knowing her king that he loves to eat and drink like that's who he is throw parties throw parties yeah. <laughs> um just kind of meeting him where he's at and so and i think even too in, in the text it says that right when she says that the king says okay go grab haman quickly go yeah. get him and let's i want to find out what my queen wants yeah. um so I think she's just kind of taking her time, which is, it's just crazy to think because she's coming face to face with the guy that is wanting to kill all of her people. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to take my time and yeah. do that. <laughs> so, so I want to step back yeah. a little yeah. bit from where, where we ended last week. Mm-hmm. Our last point was being Christ-like, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And living this life of sacrifice. We mm-hmm. talked about it in our connect groups, all yeah. of that. As we come in and we see Esther here, she fulfills this role mm. of really being like Jesus on his, his final days, right? Yeah. Like when, when he's in those final moments and he's not really saying a word and he's not doing he's trusting God's timing more than his own and he's willing to lay down his own life if that's what it takes. It's mm. good. And what, what I look at in this passage is I, I see Esther not coming at it from this prideful position of power yeah. And going, you, I demand that you let my people go and all that sort of stuff. You know, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. No. And there's not like these miraculous signs and wonders. This isn't Moses in Egypt. Esther here has this much different attitude and, and, and position mm-hmm. with her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what brings so much power. Mm-hmm. You know, um, prior to Jesus coming to earth, we have no proof of any ruler in all of history, any king, any royalty that ever chose to serve people out of love. Every other king that ever was before him served people out of power. Mm-hmm. You know, now in our country, we have public servants who become presidents and become senators, do all this sort of stuff. So they achieve status by serving people. At least they're supposed to. <laughs> but, but Jesus flipped that whole mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. upside down when he, he views this humility where you consider others better than yourselves. And, you know, I know we've talked about it a lot, but this Philippians chapter 2 mindset of that I'm, I'm looking at others' interests before my own, that I'm here to, be, to serve, not to be served, and mm-hmm. just this whole thing. And Esther, in my, my opinion, really embodies this. Yeah. yeah. And what I think is important for us all to realize is that, point number one, power is not gained from pride. Power is achieved through service. Mm-hmm. And it's what Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 20. You know, that the, if you, whoever is the greatest among you must be the servant of all. And, you know, when we look at that at Jesus, he, he lived this. He's the one who said that whoever exalts himself, you know, I'm, I'm powerful, I'm so impressive, mm-hmm. he will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And Philippians 2 shows us that. It yeah. yeah. says that he, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross, and therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names. And the whole point that we see in Jesus, and that really we can look at with Esther here, is that when you, when you live a life of humility, you may look at it and think, I'm giving up power. But in the upside-down way that God does things, 
really that's how you gain it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how you get that power. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you mention Esther in complete humility because if you continue on in the chapter, and we don't, we don't have to read all of it, but right under that section, you got Haman. Yep. And you've got, exact in, in the same exact moment <laughs> that Esther is coming in um, complete humility, you've got Haman, and dude is just prideful. It says yeah. that Haman went out the day joyful and glad of heart. So Haman's just like, <laughs> like chest high, right? Yeah. Like he's walking around, like you know, he's got it like that. And then he sees Mordecai and he's like, man, I hate him, but I'm not going to do anything yet. So he kind of chills. He goes home and he's talking about how awesome he is. He's like, I'm Haman. I'm awesome. Like he's looking in the mirror like, yeah. And and then he's he's going to his family and he's like, yo, look how awesome I am. I'm getting invited to the king's special banquet, right? Like that Esther had, he has no clue that Esther's put this all together. He thinks it's all about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he thinks yeah. it's all yeah. about him. Yep. And like you read this section of of uh, pride here with Haman, and if you if you look at it too quickly, you almost think that pride wins. You almost think that pride was the right path. Yeah. But we're going to figure out it's not. Yeah, and isn't that true in our lives? Like yeah. when when we stop a chapter too soon, yeah. In our own lives, we think that somehow pride wins out. Mm-hmm. Like we think that somehow, oh, this is this this was the right path. When I saw this person use their power for the wrong things, you know, it's it's how we get those questions of, you know, why do good things happen to them when they're doing all the wrong things, and here I am trying to do the right things and I'm not getting anything. Yeah. You know, it's that that trick that we play with ourselves. And it's like, hold on. Yeah. Which really leads us into the next part. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So let's jump into chapter six. Um, we don't have time to read through all these because we're doing three chapters today, but let's summarize it just a little bit here uh, of what's going on. Kelly, you want it or you want Cole to do it? I think Cole can do all this right, one. I know he it. likes Come this on. chapter. It is my chapter <laughs> six. This is your favorite one. Yeah. Okay, so chapter six, check this out. So it starts off with on that night. So on the same night that Esther was humble and Haman was prideful, this is what's going on. On that night, the king could not sleep. And he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds and the chronicles, and they were read before the king. Now, this is why this is important. If you remember, maybe you probably don't. But in chapter 2, we talked about how Mordecai saved the king's life, and it was written down in the book of Chronicles. Chapter 2, verse 3. And all of a sudden, this king is bored. Now, it's weird that the king is bored, because if you think about it, the king could have whatever he wanted right? Like he's got all the money. He's got all the girls. He's got cars, clothes. They didn't have cars, but he had everything, right? Chariots. Chariots. He has some (laughs) sick chariots. But, But on that night, the king couldn't sleep. And so he decides to read a book, kind of weird, and a boring book at that, like a history book. And he happens to read that book and he starts to read about Mordecai and where it was written down that Mordecai had saved his life. And in that moment, he goes, wait a minute, did, did, did we ever celebrate him? Yeah. Like, did we ever thank this guy for, like, saving my life? Because it was customary. Like, yeah. Mordecai should have been celebrated five years ago. This was five years. And they're like, no, we never did anything for that guy. And it's like, what? Well, well let's, let's, let's do it. And at that exact <laughs> moment, I know I keep saying it, at this exact moment, he goes, well, let's see who's out in the outer court. And Haman is there. It's crazy. It's like, so perfect. It, it yeah. is like this perfect moment where he's like, well, who's in the court? Like, who is, who is out there? And at that moment, Haman walks in 
Because in Haman's pride, Haman had decided that he was going to kill Mordecai. And so he had built this giant gallow, is what they call it. Basically, he was going to hang him. He was going to hang Mordecai. Huge one. Huge. Like the... A, yeah, I don't Everyone know. Everyone would yeah. see it. Everyone yeah. would see it, yeah. right? It's yeah. like a roller coaster at Six Flags. It's that high. Yeah. And and Haman is going to the king to tell him that he's going to hang Mordecai. So he walks in the outer courts. And at that moment, the king is like, who's in the courts? Because he wants to celebrate Mordecai. Yeah. I know this is really confusing, but let, let, let make, I'm going to make this simple. The king wants to celebrate Mordecai. Haman is coming because he wants to kill Mordecai. And at that exact moment, they, they come together in these weird moments where the king goes, okay, Haman, what would you do if someone saved my life? Like, how should we treat this person? And Haman's like, dude, we should celebrate him. Yeah. Like, we should, we should party like crazy. They should have everything you have. Like, it would be awesome. And then the king goes, do it for Mordecai. <laughs> could you imagine his face yeah, in that I could moment? not like how do you keep your composure I'm telling you that's one of those things I'm I am so hoping that God has some Golly. heavenly DVR yeah and when we get up there we can watch that and see what's happening but yeah, yeah keep going yeah. yeah so so then like at the at the end of chapter six what it does is is Haman becomes responsible for celebrating the person that he hates, God's person, Mordecai. And Haman has to parade him around the city in the king's <laughs> robes, on the king's horses. He has to make Mordecai look like royalty. It's, it's insane. It's so perfect. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> so we thought that pride had won. Yep. But like you said, you don't take it chapter one chapter at a time. You, exactly. you got to read the whole thing. Yeah, you got to keep going in your own life. And that, yeah. and that's the point where, you know, we look at the 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 whole purpose of chapter 6 and you're talking about power that comes through humility. Yeah. But really point 2 in chapter 7, we see that you always got to trust God's time, timing. Like yes. We have to trust God's yeah. timing because it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of times when, uh, you know, if you're looking at a puzzle and I've got just one piece of the puzzle and you're like, well, when it's not placed inside this puzzle, this looks pretty meaningless. Mm -hmm. But when you start putting the puzzle together and you've ever done that before and you start going through it, the more pieces you get, it's starting to look like something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're looking for the missing piece and these last things that I'm putting in there. Yeah. And then it finally becomes this masterpiece and you're like, oh, that wasn't so hard. But at the beginning, when you're looking for just edge pieces or pieces that are the same color, you're looking at it and going, oh my goodness, I'm never going to be able <laughs> yeah. to do this, right? Yeah, but yeah. In, this, in the same way, like you read chapter six, you read it, search it. You're, you're not going to find the name God. And, and sometimes we get caught up in, in these moments where it's hard to trust God's timing and we look and we can't see God. And we're, we're looking for God and we can't yep. see God. Where's God? But when you slow down, you see God all over chapter six. Yeah. This yeah. is God's timing. Mm -hmm. Th this whole book has led up to chapter six where every piece is falling perfectly into place. Five years ago, yeah. Mordecai saved uh, the king's life. God's timing's perfect, though. Yeah, and I think a cool thing to point out, too, about this chapter, I love how passionate you are about this chapter. I, I know sorry, that you yeah, love it so much. This chapter hypes me up. <laughs> but um, a really cool thing, too, as we talk about humility and pride, verse 12, then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. Like, yeah. he's been honored, had this huge parade for himself. Like, he's royalty in the king's eyes, and he just goes back to his job. Yeah. Like, 
nothing's happened. You know, it doesn't go to his head. He's very <laughs> calm and cool about it. You know, I love that. Yeah, and then but then it also says, and Heyman hurried to his house mourning with his head covered. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dude, it's yeah. so sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's pretty upset about it. So let's just talk just for a second. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into this, but let's let's dive in a little bit on God's timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the mm-hmm. one of the hardest things to figure out in life is like what happens by chance, what's just coincidence, or what is God actually doing. Mm-hmm. So, how would you answer if if someone asked you, either of you, mm-hmm. like, is all this just a random result of chance, or how much of my life is God like directing? How would you answer a question like that? Yeah, I would say that God is always moving. God is always doing something. The Bible promises he's working together, that all things for our good. We have that promise written down in Scripture that that God is doing something. Jesus is preparing a place for us. So there's no doubt in my mind, I've got complete faith that, that God is moving, that Jesus is doing something, and the Holy Spirit empowers me. Now, I know those things, but... Those things are true for you as, as a Christian, or if you're not a Christian, they could be if you accepted Jesus. Um, but sometimes those things are hard to see without faith, right? So, like, you have to know that God is moving, but in, in those moments, I think that you just need faith to trust God. Because, I'm sorry if this isn't the, the greatest answer you wanted, but a lot of times it's easier to look back on your life and see God than see God in the moment. Yeah, it, it's easier to trace what he did. Yeah, it's easier yeah. to, to yeah. trace yeah. what he did in the past than than to see in the present. But not to say you can't, but you've got to have a lot of faith. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk specifically for Mordecai. Okay. Right? Okay. So Mordecai had to wait for five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For God to kind of show him, hey, I I noticed what you did. Mm-hmm. Is the way it seemed. Yeah. Like if you put it in perspective, Mordecai lets this whole plot be known, saves the king's life. And then Haman decides, hey, let's extinguish all the Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there had to be a moment for Mordecai when he's going, God, I'm doing everything I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying really hard to live for you. And it just feels like you're not here. Yeah. And that's where when we talk about you, you've got to trust God's timing it's really difficult. So Kelly, you tell you tell us, like, what do you hold on to in moments when you feel like, and I don't know what you're doing, God, but I'm going to trust you. Like, what what pushes you through moments like that? Faith, yeah. like it really is all faith. Um, you know, there have been so many seasons in my own life where I've kind of wondered, like, okay, God, I am. I feel like I'm doing all the right things. I feel like I'm. I'm praying to you. I'm. I know that you love me, but you're not answering me, but I know he is a good God and he loves me and he's shown me that through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to continue to, to lean on that faith and be faithful. You know, that was a good point that you said last week. And even to your question earlier, you know, the one that you asked Cole, like, I believe that he does put opportunities in front of us and is very much like, I think it was chapter four, the big chapter, yes, where Mordecai tells Esther, like, if you don't do this, someone else will. And if we don't do certain things that he's placed in front of us, someone else will do them, you know, or or he'll find another way to get our attention or or to do something else in our life. 
Yeah, and I, th I think it's important for us to realize both sides of it. One, God doesn't make you do everything. Right. Like, we're not robots, right? right? And so when we, look mm -hmm. at, when we look at our lives and we go, you know, how do we know what God's doing? God's plans are so much greater than ours, mm -hmm. and yet what he does is he uses our own decisions and then opens up doors, closes doors, all these sort of things to where one day you do. You look back, like you're saying, Cole, and you're like, man, how in the world is God that good? Yeah. Like, how can you do it? The, the second part of it that I, I think we've got to understand is that God doesn't necessarily give you what you want. Right. Yeah. He, he does for you what he knows you need done. Yeah. And... I'm reading into the text a little bit here, but I think that Mordecai would have wanted something more after doing what he did early on. Yeah. I would have. Yeah. And, you're and, right. and I, I think that there would have been a time where you're like going, God, why? You know? Mm -hmm. and, and I think a lot of people are dealing with questions like this right now. Yeah. Like in the middle of the crisis that we're in, there's times when you look at it and you go, and why is this happening? Yeah. Why is this getting canceled? Why is this? And you have all of these thoughts of going, man, I'm missing out on all this stuff. Mm. And God's going, hold on. Now, hopefully it's not five years, okay? <laughs> hopefully we're not in quarantine for five uh. years. But, like, hold on just a second because I haven't stopped working. And it's so crucial for us to trust in God's timing and just say, God, I, I know you're doing something, even when I don't fully understand it, even when I can't figure it out. I only got a couple pieces of the puzzle right now, and I'm trying to put the colored ones together mm -hmm. and the edges around because I'm trying to see what the picture is that you're doing. Trust him. Trust in his timing. Hear me. Uh, there's such an important lesson there, and Esther proves it to us. Mm. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I have a question. It's a, it's a hard one, but I, I have a feeling if we have some students who are watching this, they've got this question. They've, they want to trust God. They want to have faith, but they don't know how. So it's a big question, mm -hmm. but how do you have faith? Right? Like, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's part of what, uh, and Kelly, you feel free to jump in no, if you ahead. want, but yeah. I think it's part of what we talked about last week. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, faith... Biblically, the words for faith and faithfulness are used interchangeably mm -hmm. um, in the original language. And so, like, they don't separate them like we do in our language. So when, when, I, when I go, um, I have faith in Jesus, it's already assuming I'm staying faithful to him. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at the situation, you say, well, how, how do I have faith that God's going to do something? There, there's two parts for me. I remain faithful, one, because I know what God's already done. Yeah. So like you said earlier, I look back in my life and I go, man, I've seen his faithfulness over and over again. But the second part of that is I push forward because I know who God is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I have faith, faith means that I'm choosing and to believe something outside of myself. Like, I, I, can't can do, I can't do this, so I have faith in this. And so when, when I look at Jesus and I see him saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. It's not what he wants, but he trusts God's greater plan that he doesn't understand, hey, hey you do this. When I see Esther going, hey, we're going to fast about this mm -hmm. because I know that, that 
my death is, is, is sure one way or another. Either I'm going to die because it's found, it's found out that I'm a Jew, or I'm going to die because I went into the king's palace when I wasn't asked to come in. And she goes, I'm going to fast about this. I'm going to do this. But ultimately, I'm going to trust God because I know he's good. And so I'm, I'm going to do these things. And, you know, with those big moments, sometimes it's almost easier to have faith in those than it is in everyday life. Yeah. Like, yeah, God, I trust you for these big, huge things. But simply, do I just trust you to make me be able to make it through this day hmm. when I'm dealing with um, depression or I'm, I'm dealing with these, these thoughts of isolation because I just haven't been able to hang out with people lately, mm-hmm. all those things. And what I would tell you is, yes, like that's, that's when you're faithful, you're full of faith, and you're remaining steadfast, you know? I mean, that, that's, that's the, the point of Scripture, is that God didn't make you to handle anything on your own. He, he created you for a relationship, and when you can step outside of yourself and say, God, I have faith in you to carry me through this, to do these things, I promise you, uh, there's nothing better. Yeah. Because when you, when you have to put your faith in God, and you put it all on him, not only does he get all the glory for it, mm. but he also carries that burden for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so all these heavy things that you're carrying, when you finally get to the point where you just go, okay, God, I'm going to trust you for it. There's actually a whole lot of like relief from that and peace that comes from it. So I don't yeah. know if that fully answers no, no, what you mean. Sure. But. I would just say, I, I know we have to get to the next section, but I would tell you, Matt said it great, to have faith in God, you, you kind of have to know who he is. So if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I, I don't think I know enough about God to have faith in him, we want to help you out. And so that is really simple. Put a comment, say, uh, say I want to know who God is, and we will send you resources. You can DM us on any of our platforms, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and we want to help you know who God is. Uh, it's not weird, um, but we want to help you because we want to help you through this tough time. We want to make sure you know who God is so you can have faith in him. Um, because that is your best option. Hopefully this Esther series has taught you a little bit more about who God is, but we would also love to help you out personally. If you have any questions specifically about who he is, we can help you. We love you guys and would love to help. But yeah. Cole, you're exactly right. And, you know, we would love to help each and every one of you uh, in your journey of faith. And especially if you're struggling with... Um, knowing God at all, we'd love for you to reach out. We got one more chapter today, all right? Mm-hmm. So chapter seven, let's, let's just go through it, because this one's pretty quick. Yeah. But uh, Kelly, give it to us about what happens next in this crazy story. Oh, boy. Um, so <laughs> the banquet happens, yep. um, and the king and Haman go into the banquet, and the, the queen asks the same question. You know, if I found favor with you, if I've pleased you, I need to let you know some things. I'm a Jew, and there's a guy that's going to kill me and all my people. And the king is like, who's this guy? And she straight up, like, points at Haman. It's him. Like, he's going to kill my people. And, um... And he's furious. And I, I love this moment. I know we've talked really, like, down to the king, okay? Like, I get that he's yeah. a harsh guy, doesn't follow God. I get all that. But he walks away. Like, he finds out what Haman wants to do to his wife and to all of her people. And he walks away to, like, maybe collect himself. Yeah. I kind of probably read into that a little bit. But just to gather all of his thoughts and think, okay, this is my, my right-hand man. What am I get? This is my queen. What am I going to do? And then he comes back in, and Haman's like, 
trying to seduce her, if I can say that, like is groveling at her feet, begging for his life. And the king's had it. And he's like, you're, you're dead. Like you're going to die. And, and it's just a crazy, <laughs> crazy thing. For sure. And it leads to Haman what? Haman gets hanged. Where? On the same gallow that he made for Mordecai, he gets hung on. Yeah. And it is like the <laughs> most pure yeah. form of justice. Yes. Right? Yes. Point three? Yep, give it to him. You reap what you sow. Like, and it's said better. Galatians 6, 7, I think. You're right. Uh, it is 6, 7? Okay. Yeah. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Yeah. yeah. It's good. And so really, the, the ending of chapter 7, what it teaches us is that Evil loses, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. you reap what you sow. And if you choose pride, if you choose evil, you choose to lose. Because eventually you're going to reap what you sow. And pride or sin, when it's fullborn, gives birth to death. But what I love about seven is it, it's, again, I see Jesus in it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because there's this reminder that when we have Jesus, that the enemy has been defeated, death has been defeated, and we are saved and we are delivered because of Jesus. And that's what happens here. Yeah. Haman is, is, is dead, right? And God cannot be mocked. He, he reaped what he sowed. He tried for death and he got death. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, humility. And Mordecai... Esther, the Jewish people, they get life. It, it's awesome. Yeah, 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 it's pretty amazing. So let's wrap it up today. Um, you know, when you talk about you reap what you sow, a lot of people immediately think karma. <laughs> yeah. Right? So what, uh, what's the difference between karma and Christianity? Because like, <laughs> oh, like, obviously we have this principle of sowing and reaping, but we don't believe in karma. Yeah. So you, you want to give them some of that? Yeah, I just think that karma is this like fake system of whatever it it's just fake because it's like well whatever I do to you then then it'll be done back to me and and that and it completely takes God out of the picture. It yeah. puts us in charge, yeah. right? Yeah, there's no room for grace when yeah, it comes to karma. There's no room for grace and there's no room for God. Yeah. Way to describe that. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So like <laughs> karma sorry, connect group, but it really bugs me when people are like karma. <laughs> like yeah. You're a Christian, okay? Like they yeah. don't add There's up. There's no such thing as There's karma. No That's a false teaching. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So karma is just no grace, no God. Yeah. It's yeah. it's putting us as God and us in control of our lives and our destinies, and that's not the Bible. Yeah. So I, I want to make sure we clarify that for y'all. I mean, yes, you reap what you sow, but it's not some like penalty system or man, this is going to happen to me in a, in another life when I reincarnate or something yeah. stupid like that. Um, but what, what we see in the text and what I, th I think is important for us as we wrap this all up is what, what decisions you make really do have important consequences. And you might think, man, I'm getting away with this. Like no one's going to find out mm -hmm. the, the evil plot that I have. No, <laughs> no one's going to ever know that I'm doing this when I'm all alone and no one's watching, or no one will ever find out that my girlfriend and I are doing these things. No one will ever find out that I'm trying this stuff out. And you think sin always loves to lie to us and promise us it's only going to affect us. It's only going to be this, this deal. Haman had thought that he had gotten away with this whole plan. Yep. Like, man, I, I've come up with this masterful plan. Everybody's going to praise me up until this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you look at it and you go, no, 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 you reap what you sow, buddy. 
Like you, you did all of these things, and eventually it, it comes out. Like you said, sin when it's fully grown, it, it breeds or gives life to death. It, it leads to death. And what, what happens for a lot of people is they think that they can sow a whole lot of bad decisions and they'll never reap a harvest of it someday. And I, I just got to tell you, especially when you're younger, you know, I used to hate when my teachers in school would tell me the habits that you're making today are going to follow you into college and after college and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, right. Just because that worked for you. It's true. So true. <laughs> like so it's, true. It, it's so <laughs> crazy. But the, it, it really is. And it's true in our spiritual lives as well. Like just because you're early on when, when it looks at, you know, a, a, a journey of sin, doesn't mean you're getting away with it because you haven't felt the consequence yet. You, mm-hmm. you reap what you sow. But I also want to be crystal clear. It's true on the good side, too. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, there's a That's lot good. of times when you're doing good things and you think, man, it's just not making a difference. I've invited my friend to church how many times? And they just keep saying no. Or, you know, I've been praying for my dad for all these years mm-hmm. to, for him to come to Christ, not me praying for my dad. He's a Christian. <laughs> He's uh, yeah. But, you know, for people just to think that and you think, man, I'm just going to give up. You quoted Galatians 6, 7. Let me quote Galatians 6, 9, where it, it says, do not, do not grow weary of doing good for in proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And there's a challenge in there for us when it comes to good things that we give up. And that we go, you know, it's not worth it anymore. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to stop. Like, you look at connect group season right now, right? Mm-hmm. There's some people that are going, man, it's just not worth it anymore. Because you're not seeing the harvest yet. It's like the parables. This is the seed stage, right? And so I would just tell you, you reap what you sow in every area of life. And it, it's, it's scary in some ways when you think of the sinful side, but it's also incredibly encouraging. And we see both of those in this text. And so I would just encourage you, sow good seed, make some good choices, do some things this week where you go out of your way to try to do some good things. And even if God doesn't give you a harvest right away, let's pray for the fact that maybe in five years, you'll look back and go, God, I trust your timing. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being with us this week. Um, Cole and Kelly, uh, we have an announcement we do. It's not the exact announcement we wanted to have, yeah. But, yeah. but we have an announcement. It's a bummer. And so uh, I'll, I'll, gi- I'll give it to you guys. Uh, we hate to say it, but it's just the, the world we live in uh, right now. We're unable to do any summer camps. But what that means is that we're working overtime to come up with a solution. Uh, so we've got some ideas. We've got some things. We ask you just to be patient with us. Uh, we're going to try to do something. We're not going to be loading up on buses and heading to South Padre <laughs> or down uh, to, to Waxahachie to, to Lakeview, but we're going to have something that we're able to do, and uh, we don't know exactly what that looks like. A lot of that depends on what the governor allows us to do, but we're going to do something. Don't lose heart. Plant some good seeds. Trust that God's going to bring a harvest, okay? We love you guys so much. We will see you next Sunday. Bye, Love y'all. you guys. Peace. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Dulas Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.